0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Faith the Public Podcast. My name is Ian Collins, and unfortunately, there's no one that's willing to accept my trade for my co-host,
1: Mr. Ryan Morrison. Trade deadline's coming past. and fast. Um, You could uh, blame ownership for another botched um, roster management situation, but uh, we're just going to have to make do and uh, hope we can pick up somebody good in the draft uh, coming up next year. <laughs>
0: We'll
1: see how it goes. All right. Uh, Good to be back, Ian. It is February 25th. We are fresh off a uh, Democratic debate. Um, We were going to record last night um, after the West Virginia game, and I think we both came to the conclusion that our basketball team is no longer worthy of the oxygen we could spend on them. Um, Um,
0: Just uh, I'm curious if uh, if you're aware. For teams that we've played home and away this season, so essentially just conference opponents, there yes. are six teams that we've played this season. Do uh-huh. you know what the difference between our performance at home and away, our point differential differences, in those six games?
1: I believe you saw the um, tweet I retweeted. It's 137 points. Uh, yes.
0: Yes, it is. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is the that- only team that we performed better <laughs> on the road... Against was Kansas well, actually? Kansas. Yes, yeah.
1: Um, hard to believe that the last two teams we lost to, we beat by a collective seventy points. Uh huh. Um, a month ago. Yes. Tell me, I'm no stati- statistician, but uh, is this trending uh, downwards or upwards?
0: Um. Well, I, there's there's very little places you can go, but up from where we currently are.
1: So you're saying it can't get any worse. It could get worse. Honestly, it could get
0: worse. worse. It looked like Derek Culver got hurt in the Saturday game against TCU, which would have just meant that I stopped watching basketball this season. Uh,
1: And he, well, he ended up playing. I think 32 of the last 33 minutes um, against TCU or Texas. Not that it made a difference. Nope. But. you know, it feels like Huggins, and this is all I'm going to say about it, Huggins, this everything he's doing right now between the defense changes, the roster lineups, the rotations, um, even the offensive game planning, it just feels like he's throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. And I, I know we respect Bob Huggins, but uh, that is not the mark of a good basketball coach. Would you not agree?
0: It's not great, although I will say that he's probably more accustomed to having anyone out there with any sort of basketball IQ, which is not what we currently have on the basketball team for Agreed. The mighty amount agreed. We've because got a bunch
1: of you, morons. You can't
0: you can't coach them like you you can't make the decisions for them. Like he and we talked about this weeks ago with the fact that Derek Culver's posting up and he's just being left there and it's it if no one knows where anyone else is supposed to be or how to take advantage of the defense that's being played, then you're not going to do well. Because what they've basically taken away us basically using natural talent against them and the players have just sort of f- fiddle-fucked around and don't know how to deal with it now that people have changed the method that they're using against
1: them. See, I refuse to believe that this team is that stupid. They're, these guys have been playing basketball their whole life. They're not, they're not that... Well, they Oscar Shibwe has be...
0: only been playing for like three
1: years. Okay, Oscar Shiboy is an anomaly. Most of these guys have been playing basketball their whole life. They cannot be that stupid. There's no way. Have you seen the it.
0: shot selection from Brandon
1: Knapper? They can and yes.
0: they
1: are. Because I don't think we're running any set plays. The offense is just disjointed. They're doing whatever they want. That's my point. It comes down to coaching. And I don't think they have a young coach on the roster that can relate to these guys. And I think that's the problem. There, there is a disconnect between the players and the coaching staff. Jay Wright would win a national championship with this team. Hmm. Uh, national championship might yeah. be much. Uh, see, it took you a second to even think. The fact that you're, that it's even a consideration is, is disappointing, honestly. No, I'm saying like, not I'll that you're considering. i am saying I was like,
0: trying to remember who he coached there for a second. It's Villanova. I he know. He coaches Villanova. I'm aware. I, I had to remember. He did win that national championship with a very, with a very experienced team,
1: though. They were experienced, but I think Jay Wright could make this team a two seed or a one seed easily, easily, dude, easily. The athleticism and the, and the and the the talent is on the team. I think Huggins is dropping the ball this year.
0: I think he's become overly reliant on experienced players after, after what happened with the Javon Carter and Daxter Miles being on the team for the last four years, and then there was Jawan Staten before that. And uh, I, I think that he just doesn't he – ha- he's not accustomed to not having, uh, like, especially a guard that can lead the team. Because Andrew McCabe is basically the closest thing they have to it, but he can't make a fucking shot
1: to save his life. He can't shoot, and he's not big enough. He just no. doesn't have the, high, he doesn't have the, the size. Uh, you know, that not, it's not his fault, but it's, it's partially on hugs that we don't have a guard out there that is, that is big enough and smart enough to run the offense you know i don't know man emmett matthews could be the guy he seems like a smart dude too but um my
0: god you want to talk about someone whose shot has just fucking disappeared from yeah. night and day from uh non-conference to conference play
1: it's unbelievable man it's so disappointing um but anyway i digress um back to what we watched tonight um what would you think of the old Democratic debate there in Charleston, South Carolina?
0: Um, well, I think that Bernie technically won because nobody looks good, which means that him as the frontrunner means that he's
1: doing the best then. You got a lot of booze from the crowd. You can clearly tell. I mean, how many are up there? Nine, eight, eight total candidates? Seven total candidates. I mean, well, six
0: Tom on Steyer is up there, but I don't particularly know why Tom Steyer is up there. He
1: didn't really say anything tonight either. Everything I watched, he didn't. He had very little like interaction. I don't know. He was very forgetful. I mean, when they when he when he came up, I had to like think about who he was for a second.
0: No, no, no. I was like, you use the wrong word there. He was forgettable. Joe Biden is forgetful. Tom ah, Steyer yes. is forgettable.
1: Sorry, but by the way. One of my favorite Freudian slips of the night was um, uh, the the Hobbit, Michael Bloomberg, um, also known as uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, from the, from the future, um, made a little Freudian slip when he said he uh, he I think he was trying to say he fought twenty one Democrats on a certain bill, um, but what he actually said was that he bought twenty one Democrats. <laughs> He also day.
0: claimed to have uh, bought the 2018 election. Did he say that? I think so. Well, uh, he was—he claimed to be responsible for the wins of the Democrats in 2018.
1: He is. I—I I made. I can't believe my tweet got one favorite. I don't know how nobody else noticed the the, the likeness between Zuckerberg. And Bloomberg, but it is astounding to me how much they look alike. They're the same height. They have the same weird mannerisms, with like the like the little like soft smile. Um, for example, like we talked about, Bloomberg putting beer in his or ice in his beer. I could see Zuckerberg doing that. Zuckerberg, you know, always come came across as the guy that was always trying way too hard to be cool. And here you have Bloomberg making these dumb billboards like. Donald Trump eats his steak well done.
0: Honestly, if, you may think that that's stupid, but my, quite frankly, I think that it, it is evidence that he has poor taste. I made a comment when it first came out that he eats his steak well done with ketchup, that we can't allow that sort of sociopath into the fucking White House.
1: Listen, don't get me wrong. I think that is, I mean, it's a horrible thing, right? But like... Bloom Okay, I used I used the wrong billboard, but Bloomberg has made these billboards that are just like one liner. Like,
0: oh yeah, no. The problem is that that doesn't make any sense to anyone who doesn't spend too much time on Twitter.
1: Right. You know, when you look at like you see the billboard and you and you you know you see a billboard and you know and it's not like uh, the billboard says Donald Trump is a cocksucking communist motherfucker uh, who likes to fuck sheep in his spare time right like it's not donald trump like, is not bernie sanders it's you know yeah, it, it, we're getting there okay let's save that for later in the program <laughs> but um the they're just like stupid one-liners that aren't offensive they're just you know it's like you know opening up a children's book to um to, you know, a joke, and, you know, you put Trump's name in front of it. By the way, I saw a great joke on Twitter today. Um, side note. Uh, what do you do with an elephant that has three balls? What do you do? You walk him and pitch to the rhino. I hate you so <laughs> <laughs> Ari Shafir tweeted that the the other response was, um, you buy her an evening gown for you you buy her uh, you buy her th- three different evening gowns and take her to all of them. It's not much, but it'll mean a lot.
0: <laughs> I love um, puns. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, so your your comments about Mark Zuckerberg and Mike Bloomberg, I should mention uh, Mike. Mark Zuckerberg is not trying to be cool he's trying to come off as human uh, because he's yes. either the the great debate is not whether or not he's human he clearly isn't the great debate is whether or not he's an alien or a robot pretending to be human and I believe that you have uh you have an idea for how it is for what the what the answer to that question is
1: yes so all right so I... You can, we can going go down the rabbit hole here. So, listener, put on your, your tinfoil hat. Um, probably going to happen a couple times this episode. I have a few theories. I've spent a lot... I saw the, the, the likeness in it. It struck me. Because as soon as I saw Bloomberg... You know, I knew who Bloomberg was. I knew he was the mayor of New York. But I'd never done any... I, I'd seen pictures of him. But, you know, in passing. I hadn't done any kind of... You know, I hadn't given it a second thought. Saw that picture of him. And I was like, holy fuck. That's Mark Zuckerberg. So... There are a couple theories that as to to why of what's going on here. Either a Zuckerberg has come back from the future to run for president, um, so he obviously knows something bad is going to happen in this election, and that's why he has brought himself back from the future. Um, you know, kind of inserted himself as a businessman. Probably what he did. Is he found that he looked like Mike Bloomberg, so he murdered Mike Bloomberg, um, and then you know he used his clone body to run for president himself as Mark Zuckerberg from the future, or and I think what is more likely the case, Jeff Bezos has an oligarchy of robots that he uses to control the entire world. So you've got Elon Musk, who is who is he's using to capture our <laughs> adventures into outer space. Uh huh. You've got. Mark Zuckerberg, who is controlling um, the everyday mind thoughts, or, the everyday thoughts of people through social media, mm-hmm. whether it be Instagram or on Facebook. And then you've got essentially the, the capstone of Bezos's plot to control the world. And is that is to have one of his robots become the leader of the most powerful country in the universe and uh, who also has the largest arsenal of nuclear weapons.
0: You know, I I like these I like these ideas. Um, uh, just so I can address them both one at a time. Yeah. One with the coming back in time. When do you think Zuckerberg came back in time?
1: Look at his age. Okay, so if let's just assume Zuckerberg looks about the same as Bloomberg, right? Let, no, no, no. Let, I'm not just... ask.
0: I'm asking like, when did he replace Bloomberg?
1: There's two theories here. He either replaced Bloomberg, or he came back and somehow created a, a reality where he was always Bloomberg from the beginning.
0: Okay, and you are you here? claiming then that that's how he came up with the Bloomberg machine that uh, and, and Bloomberg uh, repository of information uh, that's used by financial financial institutions? Is he utilized his technical knowledge?
1: Look. I'm not saying that's why. I'm just saying it would be a very convenient coincidence. I'm just connecting some dots.
0: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm okay. just asking questions here. Uh, and, <laughs> so, and so, the, and with the, with the Bezos approach, I, I think there's one glaring flaw in, in your Bezos theory, and that's the fact that Alexa... Actually, is more human, uh, has been more humanized than either than any of the people you listed. I would believe that Alexa was a real person trapped somewhere before I would believe that Mark Zuckerberg, Mike Bloomberg, or Elon Musk were real people.
1: So you're saying Alexa is a real person, and she is. Do you think Alexa's controlling Bezos?
0: No, no. She's clearly under Bezos' control. She's trapped somewhere, having to do the bidding of all the people that are, that are reaching out to her. It's, it's, to get, it's, she's basically been cloned.
1: Let's has, come back down to Earth for a second. In, in all reality, do you think Amazon, and Amazon says they're not, but, but how much would you be willing to bet Amazon is collecting information via Alexas all over the country and funneling it into some giant AI machine?
0: Okay, I'm not sure about the AI machine, but it is 100% factually true that they are collecting data via Alexa. That is not that is not even a conspiracy theory.
1: Mm. But, uh, okay, they say they're collecting data, though, like when you order something or when you say, Alexa, what's the weather, right? I'm saying, like, 100% of the time, like, if you're in the living room fucking your wife... Jeff Bezos has got that on tape somewhere. Yes. God damn it.
0: What, were you in the <sighs> living room fucking my wife?
1: Uh, a, you don't have a wife, and B, I don't have sex. so um, <laughs> That's where the joke
0: was. Uh, <laughs> but the, I think that you're missing the very obvious answer to this question about the connection between Mark Zuckerberg and Mike Bloomberg. Uh, It's very clear that Mark Zuckerberg is actually a robot that was built by Mike Bloomberg. Uh, Mike Bloomberg has demonstrated his his aptitude for technology with his ability to build the uh, financial technology, the Bloomberg machine. And he then decided that he would try his hand at AI and robotics. Uh, He probably paid for some assistance. uh, And this was when he was only a, a uh, only worth nine uh, or only worth ten digits as opposed to the eleven digits he's worth now and so he uh, and so he had to pay for some shoddy shoddy workmanship and that's why it's not as convincing of an AI system as you would have liked but that is how he can manage to control people because as mayor of New York he wanted to control their people's Consumption habits by limiting trans fats and the soda tax, things like that. And now via his robot, he's able to control their thoughts as well uh, via Facebook and social media.
1: So, okay, so here's the thing about Bloomberg that has just kind of disturbed me is he came out of fucking nowhere in this this presidential election. Like, out of left field. Well, he actually had played with,
0: he had, like, toyed with the idea of running, like, June of last year. And his polling came back basically saying that Joe Biden was already populating the moderate lane that he would try and take over.
1: So you're saying when Joe Biden fell off, he put in <coughs> full throttle.
0: Yes, the only reason he is in the race right now is because Joe Biden is a senile old coot that doesn't stand a chance of possibly even surviving until the election, let alone winning the election.
1: He's got another case for being a robot up on stage, honestly. It, here's the thing. Um, what would you say the odds are that Michael Bloomberg... Okay, Actually, we're gonna set this up as a prop bet. Who took more private trips with Jeffrey Epstein, Joe Biden, or Mike Bloomberg?
0: Ooh, um, I'm gonna go with Michael Bloomberg. Jeffrey Epstein was located in uh, in New York City. He made his money via finance, and he already had connections to a Democratic president and Bill Clinton did not need a, connections to a poor democratic senator from Delaware or uh, or the vice president he needs the president's so that's uh, that's my final answer michael bloomberg
1: interesting it will be you know i'm sure it'll never come out cuz they fucking killed him but um, would you say maybe you use another idea do you think the clintons are the ones that are kind of backing bloomberg in the race now. Or do you well, think they're still mean? team Biden? You know the Clintons have a, a candidate that they're, they're going to they're gonna try to support through and through, right? And I know publicly, I think she came out and said she supported Warren or Klobuchar, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. But in all reality, do you think the actual candidate that, that Hillary is throwing her support up behind is actually going to be Michael Bloomberg? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I think that whole circle is that. I think it's very suspicious that, like I said, Bloomberg kind of came out of nowhere, you know. And I know it's because Biden was falling off in the polls, but his jump just seems so unnatural to go from a nobody to a some to, to a you know uh, a candidate with serious potential to win the primary um, almost overnight. And I think that only happens when you get media coverage. And when you get FaceTime with the country, and um, well, he
0: got that by spending. He has spent over four hundred million I know dollars.
1: Listen, I know he's spent money, but it's still FaceTime and media coverage. And I think, I think the Clintons have the power to get that done more so than the money ever will. That's what I'm saying. He was on every. He had an ad on every fucking YouTube
0: channel. on the website for like a month and a half he has ads for every football game he had an ad for the super bowl he had ads fucking everywhere i don't think it's a stretch to think that that helped make up the difference when people realized oh shit joe biden won't work everyone else is way too far to the left mike bloomberg is our last chance to stop the Democrat uh, socialist from becoming president. That is not a completely unreasonable position or unreasonable hypothesis in terms of how he gained sixteen or seventeen percent. But like I told while you While it's not
1: unreasonable I do While un- it's not unreasonable, I it is way more fun to think that Hillary Clinton has everybody by the puppet strings. And you've got oh, like he does this in the state all- of New York. That's what I'm saying. You got, you've got these little puppets. You've know, you got this oligarchy of Jeff Bezos and Hillary Clinton up there controlling the whole goddamn world. It's freaky, man. It's fucking freaky.
0: They're all members of the Bilderberg group. What is that? We, we've already <laughs> got enough tinfoil hat stuff planned for this week. We'll <laughs> go into it next week.
1: Okay. All right. Well, there, there's, your, uh, there's your teaser for next week, uh, folk. Um, the Bilderberg group, uh, do your research because I'm going to have to do some myself. Uh, all right. Um, what else is new? Any other takeaways from the debate? Um, anybody you liked in particular, Ian,
0: anyone that I liked?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, if you had to save one from a burning building, who are you saving?
0: Um, if I had to save one from a burning building, (laughs) Oh, man, that makes it even harder. <laughs> because then, is there any chance that I can go in and kick two out and just stay there?
1: Uh, um, two? You're saving
0: two? <laughs> oh, wait, I assumed that two people had to leave because I was going in and saving someone. But if <laughs> if I can just join them, that would be the preferable... <laughs>
1: Look, there you go. That's, that's it. The whole goddamn ship's going down together. Um, I, yeah, I, I really didn't like, um, I thought Klobuchar was too wordy. Um, Bernie Sanders, honestly, with some of his policies just scares the shit out of me. The one problem I had with the entire debate is no one, they keep promising all of these grandiose social programs that are going to save the country but no one is talking about where the money's gonna come from. I know Bernie said there's a tax on Wall Street speculation. How do you tax speculation? Well,
0: if we wanna get into the nuts and bolts of this, without question, the dumbest suggestion in terms of paying for it is the wealth tax that Elizabeth Warren puts forward. And the reason why is because, and I realize that most people aren't aware of this because they don't think about where people who are worth a billion dollars keep their money because why would you but they do not Scrooge McDucket they do not have a giant vat full of gold coins that they swim around in they have their their value comes from things that they own, be it real estate be it stocks be it uh Art, be it whatever, but they're worth is not just some pile of fucking money they have in the bank. So if you start charging someone 2% of their wealth every year, then what you're going to eventually force them to do is sell control of their company, which will then cause the entire fucking stock market to collapse. Because now you can't have any stability at the top in terms of who is actually controlling these companies.
1: Jeff, Be- that's exactly right. You know, Jeff Bezos doesn't have what a hundred? How much? What's he worth? Like nine hundred billion I, dollars?
0: I think it's like one hundred thirty billion dollars.
1: So, Sam, so what's Bloomberg worth? Sixty two. Sixty two. Okay. For some reason, I thought six hundred fifty two or something. That's no, way too
0: no. much. No, I think the richest person is Bezos at like one hundred and fifty. But his value
1: comes from his stock ownership in, in Amazon. Yeah, it's exactly. not. It's he doesn't have he doesn't have a Swiss bank account you know f- with with you know a hundred billion dollars in it it's just not that's number one no one would sit on a pile of cash like that the idea the reason they're worth so much and the reason their net worth continues to grow is because they invest it into businesses into into the stock market into real estate and into assets you know it's not liquid it, there's exactly. just, it's not it's not and then,
0: liquid. Then uh, two additional statements on this. One, I find it very funny that if you notice the difference between Bernie Sanders' campaign this year and his campaign in 2016 is the fact that he no longer says that we need to make the millionaires and billionaires pay their fair share. Uh, He's just talking about the billionaires. You may be wondering, what's changed since 2016? Well, Bernie Sanders became a millionaire.
1: A millionaire. So I
0: suppose... In order for us to get him to shut the fuck up, he, we need to just buy enough copies of his book to make him a billionaire, and he'll fuck off back to Vermont to his summer camp that's worth, that is actually a summer, uh, summerside, a summer lakeside cabin worth $600,000. Hey,
1: Vladimir, if you're listening to this, buy, a, buy all of Bernie's books. Put the printing presses in full production... Buy all the electronic copies and burn the goddamn keys. That's what we got to do. That's how you meddle with the election, Vlad. That's how you got to do it, buddy.
0: Oh, okay. Make him a billionaire. I'm sorry, but can we... This is another thing that really bothers me. The idea that the Russian meddling is what caused the change in the election, one... The idea that we don't interfere with other people's elections way more than Russia did by posting fucking Facebook ads is ludicrous to me.
1: You're you're telling me we had nothing to do with the election in Afghanistan after we established the democracy there?
0: We literally overthrew the Egyptian democratically elected president because we didn't like the result. That was a decade ago.
1: And then, then but, it's worth noting. But, but the Russians bought Facebook ads, Ian. They bought Facebook ads. They controlled our minds. They made over half the country vote for Donald Trump. I'm sorry, <laughs> not half. He didn't win the popular vote. Sorry, they made over half of the electoral college vote for Donald Trump. They oh, meddled and with
0: even him. better, the fact that they complain about the fact that he hacked the DNC, and no one wants to talk about the fact that. All that was presented was factual information about how Hillary Clinton stole the election from Bernie Sanders in 2016.
1: But it, it was the Russians. I love it's like it's like um it's like the whole goddamn forest is on fire, right? And and rather than um rather than look at the fact that the forest is on fire because the climate changed uh, we're pointing at the guy that was smoking a cigarette in his car and threw it out the window as the problem mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's like uh, there's a bigger problem here and we're trying to divert we're trying to blow smoke in other directions so that you know, no one really sees what actually happened the fact that Hillary Clinton is a crooked criminal piece of shit you know Mm-hmm. Man, wow. Um, what else? There were a couple other interesting questions. I love that they brought up Israel. because Is that's such a divisive topic? Uh, and um, I was co-
0: surprised with how they answered because I assumed that the Democratic Party hated Israel and was full on Palestine. But no one was willing to actually take a firm position on that. The most, like, no one was really taking a firm position either way. Elizabeth Warren was avoiding the question like it was the fucking coronavirus.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, here's, like, if they want to have any shot at getting middle-of-the-road voters, you can't come out and speak out against Israel. You can't do it. You can't do it because you're going to lose those, you're going to lose those, Midwestern moderates and you know city, you know new York, new York City moderates, um, especially the Jews, um, when you come out and say Israel should be disbanded and we should give the land back to Palestine, it's just not it's not going to happen. But you know, once again, another situation of America meddling in shit we shouldn't have meddled in when we created a whole new goddamn country without really asking anybody.
0: Yeah, well, that was Thanks. the United Nations as a whole. Thanks, Germany. I still think it all goes back to being Woodrow Wilson's fault.
1: This whole thing, this election this year?
0: No, well, sort of. Everything sort of filed off. But the reason why World War II uh, uh, happened was because of Woodrow Wilson.
1: Why do you think that?
0: It's very simple. If you know anything about World War I, it's the fact uh, then you know that around the time of uh, that we joined, not only was it a very competitive war, but it was a war that Germany was actually winning, and it was very likely that there would be a mutual agreement to surrender as opposed to a conditionless sur- uh, surrendering. And the only reason that the United States per, uh, joined into the war effort was because we were shipping uh, supplies to the British in the middle of a war on cruise ships. And yeah, the they, Lusit- were
1: shooting, they were sinking the boats.
0: Yeah, and so the Lusitania was sunk and it, when it had three Americans on it. And we knew that we were sending uh, like, weapons to the British... But Woodrow Wilson used that as an excuse to enter on the side of the British and the French and defeat the Germans in World War I. Uh, and the fact of the matter is that uh, we had no part, we had no business participating in World War I. And the closest explanation for why we would participate is the Zimmerman Telegraph, which was basically the Germans saying, hey, Mexico, you should attack the United attack. States yeah, uh-huh. so that we don't have to worry about them. But in reality, uh, Mexico was, had no chance of fucking with us at that point and Because we had just beaten their... Oh, wait. No, that was the Spanish-American War. My mistake. Correct. But yep. uh, we like we were in a perfectly fine position and he decided to get involved and that's why Germany lost and had to provide a conditionless surrendering and it's also the reason why we the Soviets were allowed to uh, foster their position because the Germans then were not having to focus on that they were focusing on the British French and Americans Mm-hmm. and the conditionalists for surrendering led to the Treaty of Versailles, which the United States got kicked out of because Woodrow Wilson w- had had a stroke and wasn't even in charge of the country at that point. His wife was taking over the duties. And then we basically fucked over Germany to the point that they had to cede land and pay for th- the costs of every country that participated. And that led to the collapse of the German uh, economy in the ni- early mm-hmm. 1930s, which was yep. used as the basis for the Nazi, the National Socialist Workers' Party of Germany, also known as the Nazi Party, to come to power. And they nominated uh, Adolf Hitler as their uh, chancellor, and that, the rest is history.
1: Wow, you know, I- I'm... I'm, um, I just want to say, um, you could striking similarities between the election of 2016 and the rise of the uh, German Socialist Party, um, you could draw parallels between um, who, was their, who was their leader's name? What was his name?: Adolf Hitler.: Adolf Hitler and um, the president Trump. Yeah, you could draw a lot of comparisons there um, with the rise to power, you know, very very strikingly similar. I'm glad. Our country and our fellow citizens draw that comparison no, like I, I, it has. It draws I, any water. I think that you're
0: actually mistaken. I think that you are clearly underst- overstating how bad this Adolf Hitler character was. And the idea that you would insult him by comparing him to the current president is ridiculous.
1: It's, it's honest. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry look just a just a poor artist from uh from rural germany right uh he, he was actually originally bad. from austria ah well i stand corrected i did know that by the way um, if put if you put a gun on my head um and all right so fun. there's
0: uh so are, <laughs> is there anything else we want to talk about with the tinfoil hats at this point or should we move on to actual sports related things
1: um let's 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 uh Let's keep uh, things rolling here um, and move into sports, so our listener doesn't get too bogged down into the bullshit politics. Um, we We've only spent the, the
0: first thirty-five minutes talking about it.
1: Uh, we'll be back later. Um, so uh,
0: <laughs> it's the off season, folks.
1: All right. So yeah, if you want to uh, go ahead and dive into uh, Ian's hockey corner, uh, what happened in the NHL?
0: Well, there are two major things that happened in the NHL this week. Uh, Number one, the very well-known NHL trade deadline. I'll go through the key moves that were made shortly. Uh, But first, we're going to talk about how the Toronto Maple Leafs are completely inept and they did something that's never been done in the history of hockey. They
1: lost. They lost to a, what, backup goalie? What's, what's the correct An emergency
0: term? backup goalie. A goalie yes.
1: that only plays
0: when the two goalies on the, uh, the NHL roster are both injured, and so he gets pulled up and has to and is forced to play. Uh, and in case you're wondering, he was a 42-year-old Zamboni driver...
1: Well, okay, that's unfair. He manages the gym up the street. Okay? That's just one of his duties at the gym at, at the rink up the street is he, to you know it's is
0: the fact that he actually works for the Toronto Maple Leafs organization as well and was scheduled to go into their practice into their practice to serve as a goalie during their uh, their practice the following day and and he actually has a better save percentage in the nhl than he does in like the division three of hockey where he had last played as a backup goalie uh
1: if i'm not mistaken he pitched a shutout in the third period right
0: Um, I did not check to see what the, I believe it was 80% overall. I didn't check the actual period by period. I I believe he pitched a
1: shutout in the third period. He gave up a couple early goals and then, uh, he played like, he gave up like one in the second, pitched a shutout in the third. I mean, he was rusty.
0: That's, that's what happens.
1: Hey, that's what happens when you show up at the rink expecting to, you know, eat dinner and, and watch a little hockey, you know, root Mm -hmm. for the Leafs. Next thing you know, you're out there, um, you know, you're in the Canes locker room and, uh, and the starting goalie is giving you tips on how to relax and just settle in.
0: Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that is the first time in NHL history that an emergency backup goalie has ever won. So there's that. Um, I love that rule.
1: I love that rule about hockey. That there's just there's a guy sitting in the stands every night. That if your first two goalies get hurt, he suits up and plays for whoever, for whoever needs him. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the, the emergency all time quarterback. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. Love it.
0: Uh, but yeah, so it's is a big question. Is this a does this say more about the Hurricanes or the Maple Leafs?
1: I think it says, um, ooh, that's tough. Uh, probably more about the Hurricanes, because knowing they had an emergency backup goalie, they probably played a little bit different defensive rotations and you know were defensively focused for a lot of the game. Obviously, you've got to change up your, your, your game plan. You can't be on the attack offensively if you've got a guy that's 42 years, 42 years old um, in the crease know
0: you know that is quite frankly the most confident you have ever sounded while discussing
1: hockey i hope i use crease correctly <laughs>
0: <laughs> you actually did yes
1: fuck yes let's go let's go <laughs> dude i've been watching a lot of flames games lately you know i can't help it
0: jesus fucking christ um so uh in case you're wondering the reason why his save percentage was exactly 80% it's because the Toronto Maple Leafs uh only shot 10 times against him
1: Wow, that's not great.
0: It's it's not good. No. Uh and so what what ends up happening there is the fact that Most of the time, you'll get 20 to 30 shots uh, on goal in a game, and you would think you'd be able to get a lot more when you realize that the guy that's playing in the goal is a 42-year-old emergency backup.
1: Were they missing the net, or did you did you see any highlights? Were they missing the net? What was going on?
0: I I honestly I couldn't explain it because the highlights wouldn't be able to. I'd have to go back and watch the the actual game footage to see why it was they weren't getting the shots. But it's it's just mind boggling that they would they would allow this to happen.
1: Oh, agreed, agreed. I mean, it's 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 almost embarrassing, you know. Losing to, uh, you know, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's like you know they pulled a guy, basically pulled a guy up from the from the uh, the fantasy camp, and uh, you lost to him. The fantasy camp goalie, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that is that's about all I have to say about this very laughably embarrassing situation for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: They beat um, the Lightning tonight. Hmm.
0: Yeah, well, uh, it's it's sort of like how Virginia won the national championship last year. Uh, that will never erase the fact that they are the only team to ever lose to a sixteen seed.
1: we we'll go down to history. What do they say? Uh, you build a thousand bridges and uh, you're a, a bridge builder, but you build a thousand bridges and fuck one goat, and you're a goat fucker for the rest of your life.
0: Exactly. I'm glad to hear that you're speaking from experience on this podcast. Um, I'm just going to run through some of the th- some of the more noteworthy trades that took place on the trade deadline. Uh, we've got Robin Leonard and I believe it's Alec Martinez uh, going to Vegas. Uh, it's good to add a backup to uh, Marc-Andre Fleury in the net, and I think Robin Leonard deserves a shot at a cup. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, we've got Wayne Simmons going to Buffalo. Not sure if that helps much on the ice, but it's a good locker room presence, as he's more experienced. I'm not as familiar with Trocek, who's a forward that's going to Carolina, Uh, but Brady Uh, Skye, S-K-J-E-I, I I have no idea how to pronounce his last name.
1: Probably from Norway.
0: Uh, He's one of the Scandinavians. But he's a defenseman that is an absolute, just man dime that is uh, going to Carolina. It's a pretty good player. I think he'll do them uh, a lot of good. Washington picked up, they shored up their defense a bit with Brennan Dillon. We'll see how he works out. But he, they also traded for Ilya Kovalchuk uh, to sh- add on to their Russian goal scoring. He's been far outplaying expectations so far this year, and they picked him up from the Canadiens. The Penguins, not to be outdone in the Metropolitan Division, picked up uh, Jason Zucker, Patrick Marlowe, Connor Sheary, and Evan Rodriguez, uh, all forwards moving forward. I think Patrick Marlowe's probably the best pickup there. He'll do a great job and be able to contribute. Uh, he was a longtime Sharks player, and I think that he really gives them some depth that they needed. Uh, then Nate Thompson and Derek Grant went to Philadelphia. Derek Grant looks like he'll probably make an immediate impact. Hopefully it works out for Philadelphia. The big, uh, the big trade bait that, uh, ended up finally going to New York Islanders was, uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Uh, he's a center and he was, uh, playing for the Ottawa Senators. He's, uh... I believe they signed him to a six-year contract, and it looks like he'll probably be a heavy uh, contributor. He, I don't know what, I, the Ottawa Senators basically had a fire sale uh, because they just, I don't know what's going on with their management. Uh, Islanders also picked up Andy Green to shore up the defense. Uh, Columbus, even though they were a lot more active last year, they only got Devin Shore to shore up their forwards this year. Um, this year, uh, Edmonton picked up Mike Green, Andreas Athanasso, uh, and Tyler Enos. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks picked up Tyler Toffoli and Louis Domingue, uh, to improve their backup goaltending. Uh, do you know who your Calgary Flames picked up?
1: Uh, no. Uh, how about you tell me? I've been out of the news, out of the loop um, last you know, few hours, so I yeah, just didn't see it. Uh,
0: it. It happened yesterday. The trade deadline closed yesterday. Uh, it's Derek Forbert and Eric Gustafson.
1: Oh, yeah. Gust- I already got a jersey for Gustafson. I, I knew that. Which position does he play? Uh, he plays... <laughs> I'm not
0: even going to expect you to pick the side. I just want to know which of the three <laughs> spots... Forward, defense, or goal?
1: Uh, I feel like he plays forward. He's a defenseman. God damn it. <laughs> I, had a, I had a 30% chance, 33% chance, and I fucked it up.
0: Yeah, you did. Um, the, then uh, Arizona, their big move this year was picking up Taylor Hall, a former Heart uh, Trophy winner. What is a Heart Trophy again?
1: The uh, best player in the NHL. Correct.
0: I'm proud of you. You finally got one right.
1: Thank uh, God.
0: And he, uh, they also they picked him up in a via trade from New Jersey back in December. They do. They did also add another forward, Marcus Kynan, uh and then St. Louis. They did not do much. The reigning champs only picked up Marcos Candela to shore up their defense. And the Boston Bruins picked up Oscar Kasha, I believe you pronounce, uh, as another check forward. And he moved into the right wing position that had previously been held by uh, Danton Heinen. Uh, who was was sort of out of place being moved down to a third line which is probably why they traded him away uh, for uh, didn't write it down I want to say Dylan uh, was who they traded Heinen for but it's probably for the best because Heinen was not going to flourish on the third line but we'll see if uh, if the Bruins can really make it mesh with these new players. Uh, Who would you
1: say... Um, okay, continue, sorry. Oh,
0: go ahead and ask your question.
1: No, I, um, I, I, didn't, I thought you were done.
0: Oh, I was, was, was just going team. to was I was was the just gonna say that now the, uh, the Bruins probably have the two brightest young Czech uh, stars in the NHL uh, as well as the oldest Czech star in the league with Zdeno Chara, who was born back before it was, just the Czech Republic, and it was still Czechoslovakia, under the Soviet Union. And that is the extent of my hockey talk for the trade deadline at this point.
1: Who would you say was the biggest winner and who was the biggest loser of the the uh, of the trade 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 season for the NHL? Uh,
0: I would have to say the biggest winner is probably. Mm. it's probably the the teams at the top of the at the top of the Metropolitan with the Capitals, the Penguins and the Islanders. They all needed additional go- goal-scoring help and they all got it with Kovalchuk, Marlowe, and Pajot. I think that that's going to make it really hard for any of the other teams in that division to even sniff the the top of the division. It's going to yep. be really difficult for them. I think that they they've just moved it into being the fact that they are now just they're probably on pace to give the Atlantic Division winner a hell of a hell of a run for their money, whichever one of them comes out of the Metropolitan in the playoffs. <clears throat> as, for, as for Biggest Loser, um, uh, probably. I'd probably have to say the Stars, or no, the Avalanche. I didn't see any moves that the Avalanche had made, and they're trying to make a move to be competitive in uh, in their division, trying to get to one of the trying to hold on to one of the playoff spots, and they didn't make any moves to improve their positioning. Um, I think they're the the only one that really comes to mind immediately, but there were other teams that really didn't do a whole lot. Uh, the blues didn't do much like I mentioned, but they they did some, but you'd think that they would do more to try and hold on to their their position as the defending champs. But and that is uh that's that's about the extent of my analysis.
1: Alrighty. Um well uh transitioning off of hockey talk, um I do want to cover a little bit of golf um here. We'll do a little uh Ryan's golf corner. I want to Honestly, just um, take a a moment and step back and reflect on the fact that uh, Patrick Reed, do you know who Patrick Reed is? Do you follow golf at all? uh,
0: I do know who Patrick Reed is. He's that asshole that had his family escorted off the grounds at Augusta.
1: Yes. um, He has been accused of cheating by two different college teams, including being kicked off of the first one. Uh he was caught cheating at the hero world challenge um basically uh, improving his lie in a bunker earlier this year and um this week peter costas former um correspondent for cbs golf coverage came out on a podcast a pretty popular podcast and said that he had seen personally um Patrick Reed improve his lie three or four times in a tournament. And golf is one of those things where, you know, the rules are above all else. I mean, you know, if you break a rule once and you, you know, you get, if you're purposely breaking a rule in golf and you get caught, it it will tarnish your reputation for forever. So Patrick Reed's already had this reputation. Nobody likes playing with him. His teammates all hate him. He alienated his family and he's just a fucking dickhead. But... The Costas interview comes out, and Patrick Reed comes out in a loaded field in Mexico and beats everybody's ass and wins the tournament. It's the second time he's done it. It happened at the majors, too, or at the Masters, too, when he won that. Uh, There was a lot of heat on him about how he treats his family and about his time in college, and he was getting questions in the media about it, and he... uh, he wins the Masters, and then earlier this year, after the Hero World Challenge, where he got caught scooping sand out um, from behind his ball at the PGA, at the I think it was the Sony Open in Hawaii, he almost won it in a playoff. Um, so, honestly, what Reed is doing in the face of adversity is one of the most impressive things I have ever seen in sports. To have the mental fortitude. To put it into perspective, I think winning on the PGA Tour is probably one of the hardest feats you can accomplish in all of sports. Because you can talk about football, but it's a team sport. It takes a lot of different factors to go in and win a Super Bowl, right? Um, and, and beyond that, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of athletes in the world that don't play American football. Uh, same goes with soccer, um, although you can put the FIFA World Cup up there. But these are team sports, but in terms of a, in, individual accomplishments – The PGA Tour is the, you know, basically a collection of the best golfers in the world. And their careers are so long that you're going to play against guys like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson for 20 years. They'll be, you know, they're all, you're in your prime when you're playing golf for a long period of time. It's much larger than other sports per se. Um, And the fact that, you know, I guess let me step back. Golf takes tremendous concentration on every shot. And you know, generally in a tournament, you're going to have you know 260 to, to 280 shots per tournament, and um, depending on how well you're playing, and to be able to focus for four days on 260 plus shots is a feat in and of itself. And then to do it with the media and the gallery and everybody hating on you the entire week, to be able to focus and come out and win a PGA Tour event in the wake of all the fucking distractions. That are out there is fucking impressive. I don't care what you think about Patrick Reed. Personally, I think he's a piece of shit. But I will tip my cap to that motherfucker for how well he focused this week uh, to win the WGC down in Mexico. Um, incredibly impressive performance. And I am uh, I'm honestly blown away with how he continues to come back and win tournaments with in, literally the entire world against him. It's, it's impressive. Very impressive.
0: Uh, Do you think there's any chance that uh, he, knowing that he's someone who plays better under adversity, he cheats simply so that he can develop this adversity and then motivate himself?
1: I don't think so. I think he gets annoyed by it. I mean, when people ask him questions, he, he dodges the questions. The PGA Tour goes out of its way to protect him from people being outright, you know, straight up like, hey, you're a cheating motherfucker. Um, but that's in spite yeah. of him being a cheating motherfucker correct yes Um. the PGA Tour the PGA Tour is notorious just like the NFL for like trying to protect its image above everything else Um, that's why golf coverage is the way it is that's why and that's what part of the Peter Costas interview was is that they don't show good golf or they don't show things that are controversial because they don't want people to see them they want to see Tiger Woods hitting a drive 300 yards and then you know a, a close approach shot. They don't want to see the bad shots. They don't want to see the rule the, the rule breakings or anything like that. So um, PGA Tour's got a lot of, has gotten a lot of shit for that lately about how they're not showing all the golf. They're only showing the highlights, and uh, it's you know something that people just don't want to see. But that's another problem for another day. I don't think he does it on purpose. I think he's just a fucking piece of shit. But um, it's certainly convenient that he can embrace. He can embrace and mentally mentally control the negative energy that surrounds him when he's on the golf course it's it's genuinely impressive yeah, and that's talking golf yep, sounds about right all right uh do you want to switch into um uh some listener questions Ian
0: Yes, are we about to have a two hour podcast?
1: Where are we at? Oh, boy, we're in an hour. (laughs) This is going to be a long one, folks. Uh, Excuse the sniffs. Um, It has been, I I think I might be getting coronavirus. I debated um, casually tweeting that. um, You've been
0: promising us the coronavirus for weeks, and it's just not happening.
1: I'm sorry, you broke up there? What? What? I'm trying to pull up our listener questions now. It's because I'm talking on my iPad to you that it's not loading. Here we go. Can you hear me now? Yes. Sorry, folks. Bad podcasting. Technical difficulties.
0: Is that because you're technically hey, difficult? Ian,
1: still here. Still here. Can you hear me now? Can I can hear, hear now? you,
0: and I'm insulting you the entire time.
1: Oh, there you are. Can you hear me?
0: It's the bigger question: is Can you hear me?
1: I can now. Yes. So we're gonna. I hope our listener gets a nice little uh, 30 second banter of us just screaming at each other. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Um, no, I have. Well, I was um, also.
0: Por- I was also periodically throwing in insults of you.
1: Excellent. Uh, <laughs> um. Um, so partial dumpster fire of the week is my Wi-Fi that uh, my iPad can only handle one high-bandwidth thing, and apparently um, opening up Instagram is high-bandwidth as well. But we're up. We have the listener questions uh, and topics available, and we will start with Uh, T. Royce. uh Some of you may know him as Timothy um, or, better yet, Tim. And his question is, what's your take on vests? On vests? Yes
0: uh they are very stylish so long as they're worn in the correct season
1: um i'm going to say that um it just depends on the length of time i think you know to vest your to vest to vest your employees 401k's um too soon would i think be throwing away money um the idea is to have vested 401k funds um, generally, I think in my experience, it's always been after a year. Um, you know, I think most companies are set up that if you spend a year there, they've at least got their return on investment um, from hiring you and their expenses they paid to get you into the company and maybe relocate you. Um, so uh, I think vests are a good thing uh, just from a financial security standpoint for companies when dealing with employees.
0: No, no, I'm telling you from a financial perspective that vesting is only one of those things where it's stylish in the right season. But a lot of times it's going to, especially right now with the coronavirus thing, if you're spending too much time putting your money in the stock market when there's clearly about to be a downturn, it's going to be a mistake. You need to divest... And put some of it into more secure, uh, more secure bonds and precious metals. Whenever you see a, whenever you see a recession upcoming, and that's the upcoming. sort of thing that a uh, a plague can do. A uh, pandemic, I believe, is the word I was looking for.
1: Excellent. Well, Tim, I hope we answered your question or provided some insight on on bests. Um, Chad underscore Demi writes, uh, NFL draft combine. Um, so a combine is a um, is a farming machine. Um, I believe International Harvester is famous for the combine. Um, I believe what the combine does, and if, if you've ever seen this, Chad, it's got a long um, – it's like a yeah, – I would call it a bar, and it's got little um, – Wedges in the front, and the wedges feed the corn up into basically a rotating wheel. The wheel strips the ears of corn out of their stalks. The stalks get shredded and sent into either a waste bucket or back into the field. Um, and then the cobs are put in the back of the combine where they can be unloaded into a truck and taken off to um, taken off to uh, you know distribution. Um, in terms of NFL draft, um, I don't know if that is a new manufacturer. I've never heard of that manufacturer, but um, combine is definitely a very useful machine um, when it comes to farming and, and uh, production.
0: Yeah, no, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's an NFL draft combine in the sense that it's actually wind-powered. Uh, that's where the term draft comes in.
1: Oh! Uh, oh! Oh! Okay! Oh! So, green energy question. Ah, exactly. I'm sorry, Chad. I misunderstood you.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's, it's all about green farming from the from the farm to table. They want to keep it green, and so it's it's important uh, for those that aren't as familiar with a combine. I believe that uh, it's very frequently used in certain horror films. I believe uh, Final Destination had a combine that it used uh, because they are rather dangerous and it's important for you to keep safety first whenever you're working with a combine. Uh, yes. But it's, I'm, I'm very proud that he's bringing, that we have listeners that are bringing these sustainable uh, machines being used in modern day to our attention. Thank you very interesting.
1: much. Interesting, thank you, thank you, Chad. That was a very interesting um, topic. Uh, moving on to uh, JPE1323, I believe this is uh, Jake Engel. He says bar games. I'm sorry, bar bard games. Bar games. B a r games. Bar games. Bar games. Um, hmm. Well, I I believe they're
0: technically called gymnastics, but I think yeah. that that's that's yeah no it's it's a gymnastics. Is it a meet? I want to say it's a meet.
1: Yeah. So, well, the Olympics are coming up, so perhaps he's, he's asking us about our take on the upcoming Summer Olympics and the gymnastics portion of the Summer Olympics. Um, well, I'm, J- Jake, to answer your question, I am uh, pumped to see Simone Biles' um, freestyle routine. Um, in terms of athleticism, I think Simone is one of the most complete put-together athletes of our generation. Um, I think this will be what her second or third Olympics. I, have, have you, do you follow her very closely? Yet? I want to say it's
0: just her second, but she's okay. been dominating in international competitions since twenty sixteen.
1: So really, I know you know, free, you know her. Her freestyle floor routine is obviously not um, a bar game per se, but I do believe she has a solid balance beam routine. And uh, is it the triple bar? No, it's or the, the, high...
0: the uneven bars, I
1: believe. The uneven what, bars, yeah. yes. She's also excellent on those. So um, really excited to see, to see that from her uh, in a few months. And uh, I believe we will have an episode dedicated to uh, our predictions um, for the Olympics in a few months.
0: Yes, and I will, I will say that uh, there is a possibility based from an IOC official who may have been speaking offhanded, but uh, as they are scheduled to take place in Japan and with the coronavirus being a serious concern, there is the possibility that they are canceled or postponed as a result of the ongoing pandemic if it were to worsen or persist through August.
1: Uh, well, this is an, that is an excellent segue because uh, Brian Arndt uh, asked us in our final question, Of the evening Um, He suggests that the coronavirus Is suppressing news on pedophiles Well obviously Yeah um, I mean here's the thing about the coronavirus It is currently less deadly Per case than SARS Right I think SARS has a 10% fatality rate Um, It's certainly much less deadly Than Ebola I I think that and, And the other problem is Is things like this tend to scare the shit out of people and pedophiles don't. So, um, I mean, look at the, look at the fact of the matter is Joe Biden has, was on stage tonight and there are um, millions of people in this country that will gladly vote for him to be president of the United States. Um, So the fact that we would do have any news on pedophiles um, in terms of, um, you know, generating revenue that just doesn't sell, that doesn't sell, you know, pedophiles don't put asses in seats. Coronavirus does.
0: Well, and, I don't know. Um, they tell people to sit down while you're in church. They're the ones that let you know when to stand up, sit down, kneel, pray.
1: You know, uh, yeah, jump. Well, in Jerry Sandusky's uh, situation, you know, jumping, di- jumping jacks down for push-ups. Um, I'm not sure if time. he ever tells
0: them to sit, though. Sandusky? Yeah, I don't know if he ever puts asses in seats, technically, though.
1: He put asses somewhere um, and it's it's um, I hope his ass is getting absolutely reamed out in jail at this point. Um, But um, I have to. Yeah, I think you're right, Brian. I think coronavirus is suppressing news on pedophiles. I don't think I think the Sandusky or not. Well, the Sandusky thing got plenty of coverage, but I think the Jeffrey Epstein thing um, and, you know, his likely connections to almost, you know, everybody in somewhat in some position of power um, around the Clintons and then. Obviously, probably around Mike Bloomberg and around Joe Biden is um, concerning. There uh, is also
0: a slight connection to Donald
1: Trump, right? Yes, even Donald Trump. You know his connection to some of the most powerful people in the world um, seems to continually be overlooked. And whenever you bring it up, you're just a conspiracy theorist or a tinfoil hat wearing motherfucker. And uh, I think it's bullshit. But the problem you know my, is, the louder you, you scream. My
0: favorite two connections uh, also to him are are Matt Groening, the creator of South Park, or not South Park, of The Simpsons. South Park. Simpsons, yep. And uh, then also Bill Gates also has ties to Jeffrey Epstein.
1: I did not know Groening had connections. What's, what's the tie there? Uh, there was a flight log
0: that had him listed as a passenger on the uh, Jeffrey Epstein private plane at one point.
1: You know, the thing about Epstein's plane and, you know, his island didn't have an airport. It had a helipad. Um, his island wasn't. It, it, the only thing on that island was his house. So if you were going out there, you had to see something, right? Had to have like federal investigators been out there. Has anything yes, been recovered from found that place? Yes,
0: picture of the painting of Bill Clinton in drag.
1: I haven't seen this. this Is this public information? Oh yeah, it's public information.
0: Look it up right now.
1: I will look that up. We're gonna get live reaction. um, Bill Clinton in drag. Oh boy. That is one hell of a painting.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, the irony is that he's wearing the blue dress, uh, and for those that are familiar with their history, uh, the dress that Monica Lewinsky wore when uh, he ejaculated on her was blue, and it's the infamous blue dress. Now, I'm not sure if it's the exact same color blue that he's wearing in this lovely painting, but that is a, uh, a fun, fun little side note.
1: Wow, someone, someone sat down and painted this and said, this is a good idea. Yeah. Oh, man. Jesus Christ. All right, that's enough internet for tonight. Um, all right, well, um, listeners, we thank you for our, your questions. Um, hopefully, we provided some insight as to um, how we feel about them. And uh, we can go ahead and move on to Dumpster Fire of the Week, Ian, Um Who is your dumpster fire of the week?
0: My dumpster fire of the week is Mr. Gavin Newsom. He is the current governor of California and the former mayor of San Francisco who came out last week and stated that uh, we should be able to uh, doctors should be able to quote, write prescriptions for housing like they do for medicine.
1: Now Boy, something about a doctor being able to um, tell someone or or force a private place to provide housing seems problematic.
0: Yeah, well, the, the main thing is that there is no law that prevents people from obtaining housing without a prescription. Which is the entire reason why prescriptions exist, is because you're not legally permitted to get many drugs without having a doctor, it's essentially a doctor's permission to consume that drug in that quantity. That's what a prescription is. And the idea that you solve a homeless problem uh, that is partially caused by drug addiction By writing prescriptions for housing, Mm -hmm. it's... it's not the most productive, Uh, it's not the smartest, Uh, it's... it in fact might be the dumbest suggestion that I've ever heard from any politician.
1: Uh, well I mean clearly San Francisco is run so well I mean they have like such a they have almost zero homeless people out there it's honestly like a a, a utopia of sorts in terms of urban planning yeah that's, and, um, that's
0: actually sort of the point is that as someone who is the actual governor of the state he has the ability to take steps uh, to sort of sort out this homeless problem this homelessness problem. And um, his reaction is to, instead of, as the most powerful governmental executive in the, in the state, instead of doing anything himself, he's putting the responsibility onto doctors for providing housing
1: with the suggestion. When in doubt, the fucking doctors will fix it. Fuck, every, fuck everything else... And everything else that anybody knows about urban planning and um, you know social welfare, let's put it on the doctors who studied um, brain surgery uh, and not um, how to help someone maintain a mortgage payment.
0: Uh, fun fact, if you uh, let your dog shit on the sidewalk in some neighborhoods, uh, in some cities of California, you'll be charged, I believe, a $100 fine uh, while they do not actually charge homeless people with fines for literally shitting in the street. So, let's just do some brainstorming here. here. Uh Uh-huh. If you ever have a problem where a police officer suggests that your dog, just crapped on the sidewalk just tell him it was you <laughs> uh,
1: i honestly honestly i i love it I, I love the idea i love the idea of a um of a yorkie you know with like a, a, a pile of shit that's that's no bigger than a than a uh, like a couple, not like it looks like a golf ball, um, or not a, a golf, ball, like a couple of Skittles, and and a cop walks up to you, and you say, "No, no, that's mine. I had to go."
0: I mean, oh, when man. you got to go, you got to go. Uh, so sometimes what is, nature calls. What is your dumpster fire of the week?
1: Uh, my dumpster fire of the week is uh, the coronavirus. Um, Once again, um, I know we talked about it in terms of uh, the news coverage. Is that virus um, being
0: a little bitch-ass this week?
1: It is. um, Yeah, so uh, the coronavirus has been um, somewhat tamed. Um, News came out today that uh, new cases have dropped in China, meaning that the exponential growth in China has slowed. Um, So that little bitch-ass virus um, uh, took a hit uh, there in its main Part of uh, infection. However, um, in uh, some other noteworthy events from the coronavirus, um, one person contracted it in North Korea and he was subsequently shot. Um, so, my um, question to you, Ian, is uh, as the CDC comes out today and warns it expects the virus to spread in the United States um, and essentially is telling people to prepare for a pandemic, schools closing work closing, um, public events closing, um, or being postponed. Uh, Two concerns. Uh, Number one, um, college football season. uh, There's a potential for college football season to be completely canceled or delayed if coronavirus completely sweeps over the United States. Uh, And number two, do you think it will be an option that if I contract it that they will shoot me? Like, Can I choose that?
0: Uh, only if you travel to North Korea will that be an initial option. You always have the option to, to carry out that prescription yourself.
1: Excellent. So it can be, so it's, it's home medicine.
0: Yeah, uh, it's alternative medicine, I believe. Home remedies. Okay, great. Uh, it'll fix you up just like uh, chicken noodle soup for a fever or a nice ginger ale for a, an upset stomach.
1: We well, could call it the ultimate painkiller. Mhm. Well, um,
0: it's uh, it'll it'll work very effectively, but you can only use it once. I uh
1: I, I did find some other uh, disturbing uh, information coming out of China that people were being burned alive, um, after um, containing corona, or after contracting coronavirus, uh, which may explain why the uh, there's a decrease in um, cases out of uh, China is that they're just killing everybody. That has it, and that is how they're curbing the infection. Um, another well, I mean, dis- if
0: they're infected, that means that they can't harvest their organs. So why would they need them to be alive before they set them on fire? Uh, I mean, you know, think with your
1: head, Ryan. It's honestly, here's the thing. If, if you have, let's think about it like a bank account. Um, if you have one point, what's the population in China? Like 1.8
0: billion? I think it's still just like 1.4 billion.
1: Okay, so if you have $1.4 billion in your bank, are you going to miss 100000 No. Yeah, there you go. There's the answer, There's the answer to your problem right there. Um, so China, you know what to do, mass genocide.
0: Um, well, they're already doing that. Damn, I was <laughs> close. It's $1.386 billion. Yeah, they're already doing that with the Uyghur Muslims uh, who are in concentration
1: camps. No, let's not talk about that. Though, let's talk about the million, the, the hundreds of thousands they've locked up in um, in their own apartment buildings. Um, creepy video did come out from Wuhan of people just screaming at oh, like at night, standing on their balcony, just screaming out into the into uh, no man's land uh, or out in just in the open in these cities. It's it's pretty creepy. Um, I I'm not worried yet, per se um about the united states on a more serious note i know the cdc is going to freak everybody out i think six people got it what's the story out of italy it's like six people have contracted it
0: uh yes i think yeah, it's like- the uh, i think it's the first confirmed case of it being transmitted outside of asia so uh well or something i it's some some first case outside of asia where there's no connection to someone coming from asia so there's a chance that it may have been transmitted from something other than human to human contact
1: that's kind of creepy um but it's still six people you know all of northern italy is like in a complete tizzy grocery stores are empty apparently like hand sanitizer prices have gone through the roof um I can see that happening in America, but I, I just think it's going to take more than six people. I think a lot of people in America are going to say oh, six people got it and they're in the hospital. Like, I'm not worried about it. Um, where it will get concerning is when you have, like, New York City. Someone gets it in New York City and overnight, you know, you've got... I mean, think about it this way. One person has it. Let's say China wants to fuck with America and they send one person over here that has it. Um, or they infect one person in New York City that has it. And they go ride the subway all day. And they cough and sneeze. And then they go stand in Times Square and they cough and they sneeze. And they go to a, they go to a restaurant and they cough and they sneeze. Before long, I mean, that's going to grow exponentially. Because, the, you know, the problem with coronavirus is the incubation period is so fucking long. It's 14 days. And sometimes you don't even show symptoms and you can be contagious. That it's going to be hard to contain. And I think that's what's scary about it. Um, I remember people freaked out about the swine flu a few years ago, and I ended up getting it, uh, H1N1. And it was like normal flu. It wasn't bad. I don't, you know, it wasn't like I was in fear for my life. So you're um, saying we
0: missed an opportunity?
1: We, you know, I uh, escaped death once, and, uh, you know, I hopefully... Um, You've
0: regretted it ever
1: since? Yes, correct. 110%. <laughs> um, So... um. Uh, so here's the the bioweapon coronavirus uh, coming back and wiping out um, all of uh, the world in a giant pandemic. Uh, maybe everyone with the zombie apocalypse hunting stickers will finally get to use them for the greater good. And that is my Dumpster Fire of the Week.
0: All right. Who is your Boomer of the Week?
1: Oh, uh, boy. So we go right back uh, to the debate. And my Boomer of the Week uh, for the one simple phrase he muttered tonight Uh, Is Joe Biden. Um, So among all the stupid shit he said tonight, my favorite in is that since 2007, over 150 million Americans have been killed by gun violence. Now, tell me, um, I know you're good with populations. How many people live in America?
0: Uh, Just under 330 million people.
1: So what you're saying is there has been a genocide of 150 million people over ha- nearly half of the United States' population, and I haven't had one friend be killed? Surely it could have been you or Tim. I could have – you could have <laughs> wow. gone. See, the problem
0: is you, you have a bit of a, uh, a problem with the premise to this question. You don't have any friends, Ryan. Ah, Okay. So that's why: so, you don't So have we missed these it right out of the gate.:
1: pilots. We missed it right out of the gate. God damn it. God damn it. Um, well, that would explain why I haven't uh, realized that uh, over half the country has been killed and buried uh, in the last 12 years.
0: No one said they were buried. <laughs> Are you saying that you haven't had to just walk over these shooting victims on your way to work?
1: As common as mass shootings are in this country, uh, no, I haven't, you know, and no one's come into my work and blown the place up, um, you know, there was only one shooting in my apartment building and that was across the street, so it's, you know, it's, I, as far as I'm concerned, I've been completely immune to it, uh, maybe it's this multiverse, um, this multiverse theory that's kind of throwing everything off, I don't know, but um, maybe keep it short,
0: Mercury's in retrograde,
1: that's it, it's the goddamn Mercury position in this fucking sky, where are my crystals? Let's pray to the Buddha Jesus and uh, hope that my uh, crush talks to me tomorrow. And that is my Dumpster Fire of the Week. That is your Boomer. Er, boomer. boomer of the Week. Uh, my Boomer of the Week,
0: uh, you, may not be, you may not believe this, Ronnie's back. Ronnie's back again. And he's better than ever because you know what he decided to do? He decided to weigh in on... The, he decided to weigh in on the Oscars about a week late.
1: Oh, he missed the boat. What would he say?
0: Yeah, so he, uh, he decided that he, like you, is not a big fan of subtitles. Couldn't believe that this bullshit movie, Parasite, by some Korean dude named Ho, was, uh, was the one that people picked. He, he said that they should have had an American movie win the Oscars. And that it doesn't make much sense for the Oscars, which is an American award ceremony supposed to be honoring Hollywood, to be giving out their awards to these foreign films.
1: You know, Ronnie, um, Ronnie's a, a made-in-the-USA guy.
0: Yeah, he you is.
1: Know? I,
0: you know what? I bet he loved Ford v. Ferrari.
1: I bet he did. I bet he did, because Ford won. I haven't seen that, so don't tell me what happens, actually. It's about the
0: 1956 uh, uh, 24 hours at Le Mans. Great race. It is actually a very good film. Christian Bale and Leonardo DiCaprio do a great job, or Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Christian Bale
1: Um, do a great job. Christian Bale's Christian Bale's my fucking guy. That's why. That's why I don't want you to tell me because I I do really want to see it. Um, I just haven't gotten around to watching it yet. So, um, spare me the facts on that one, Ronnie. um, You know. I, I mean, this Did one's
0: pretty pretty straightforward. This
1: I, is a pretty straightforward like boomer move. You know, you, you weigh in on something that's completely out of the public's minds, uh, and it's um, borderline racist at the same time,
0: and without question xenophobic. You yep. want to talk about boomer so. um, hits? Hit at least partially uh, makes contact for all three.
1: Hey, so Ronnie, Ronnie, good for good, good for Ronnie. Really hitting the boomer stride hard this week. Going weekend. back to his roots. Good for him. Well, I'm proud of him. Um, tell Ronnie um, to keep up the good work. I'll do my best. All right. Um, well, uh, you could. we'll throw in an honorary dumpster fire of the week, and that is the timing for this podcast. We have literally talked your fucking ear off, probably. Uh, so, Ian, um, I don't have any picks. Do you have any picks? Let's wrap this bad bitch up.
0: Yeah, so the only picks I really have that I'm liking this weekend, uh, I think that it's probably a good pick to take Pittsburgh. On Friday and Saturday, uh, if you can get them puck line, get them puck line, uh, because I have a feeling they're going to absolutely dick kick Anaheim and San Jose because they bought new players, uh, and Anaheim and San Jose both dropped new play- dropped some of their better players, and then, uh, really, that's that's my only only pick. The, my only picks for this weekend.
1: All right. Well, uh, thanks for the questions. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, this was definitely one of our, uh, more tinfoil hat, uh, episodes and, uh, we will talk to you next week. Don't forget to fade the public,
0: fade the public fuckers.